This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area in April 1st, 2024. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we're talking about whether or not the NBA boycotts will bleed over into the NFL, as well as answering your Atlanta Falcons listener questions. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, today's Locked On Falcons episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Today is a Twitter Thursday where I will be answering your Twitter questions sent in from to the Locked On Falcons Twitter account. Of course, I am your host, Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years. You can find me on Twitter at Falcfans and, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And some of the questions that we're going to be answering on today's Twitter Thursday episode sent in by you, the listeners, is related to the NFL team's uh, the potential of NFL teams to boycott, as we've seen with the NBA teams, the potential that Matt Hennessy might not automatically move to center in 2021, but might stick around at left guard and what sort of scenarios could allow that to play out. I will pick my favorite Keanu Reeves movie. I also touch upon whether or not the Falcons are poised to dominate the NFC South in a post breeze slash Brady world, as well as, you know, talking about 1996 album drops. So those are some of the questions that we'll be answering on today's episode. But of course, sort of the big news on Wednesday was that the NBA postseason has been postponed. Um, and it's an ongoing story as I'm recording this, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sort of how the issues going on with the protests and the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Washington, Kenosha, Wisconsin, I'm sorry, um, and how that's affecting other leagues and sort of that potential impact on the NFL as well, specifically how the Falcons are handling that situation in comparison to other teams in the NFL and NBA. So that's our Locked On Falcons lead story, and we will jump into that right now. While we spent much of the offseason and summer worried about how COVID-19 would impact the sports in 2020 NFL season, it appears that the ongoing protests and calls for police reform connected with the black lives matter movement may have a bigger impact on the sports landscape as a whole. On Wednesday, the Milwaukee bucks opted to boycott their playoff game versus the Orlando magic as a way of protesting against the shooting of Kenosha, Wisconsin resident, Jacob Blake, who was shot seven times in the back by police in front of his children. Fortunately for Blake's family, he did survive, but reports are that he is paralyzed. The Bucks' decision was the first of many in a domino effect that led to all NBA playoff games to be postponed. The Milwaukee Brewers of Major League Baseball also canceled a scheduled game on Wednesday as well. It, of course, begs the question for football fans, 
Would we see something similar happen with NFL teams? For instance, if we found ourselves in a regular season where a similar event occurred, especially in light of the Detroit lions canceling their practice on Tuesday as a form of protest revolving around that shooting Falcon safety. DeMonte Casey was asked a question about his thoughts on the Blake shooting on Wednesday after practice. He indicated that he and his teammates have talked about it and that they want to get together as a group and see if there's something that they can do as a whole organization to help out. But when asked specifically about his thoughts on the lions calling off their Tuesday practice as a form of protest and solidarity, Casey said, next question, please. When Falcons head coach Dan Quinn was asked before Wednesday's practice about his thoughts on the Blake shooting and response to how LA Clippers head coach Doc Rivers addressed the issue publicly, Quinn responded that the players had seen the video and that they discussed a way to create reform on some of those issues. And that would involve voting Quinn's response meshes with the rise up and vote initiative that the Falcons launched earlier this month in August, where the team is partnering with rock the vote to raise voter awareness and promote registration. This initiative can be seen working in conjunction with the league's NFL votes campaign that also launched this month for the same goals. The NBA's decisions clearly were player driven. And while the Detroit lions were seemingly the same, it doesn't appear that the recent events in Kenosha thus far are going to make significant waves in the NFL for teams like the Falcons, who's at this point in time seem to be proceeding with business as usual, but much like with COVID-19, the issue involving police brutality and Jacob Blake may not go away anytime soon. After all, we're only a few months removed from the murder of George Floyd. So unfortunately there's reason to believe that we may not be that far away from potentially another victim in the near future, which of course could occur during the 2020 NFL season and thus compelling every player coach and owner across multiple sports to do everything in their power to shine a light on this issue right now to avoid any further losses of life and tragedies. So guys, there's your locked on Falcons lead story. Uh, We will continue to talk a little bit about this. Uh, moving forward because our first listener question does address the issue and whether or not we would see NFL teams boycotting games, but we will get into more football and pop culture centric questions later on today, including talking about which parts of the Falcons D line rotation could be the odd man out undeservingly uh, coming up on today's episode. But if we're talking about defensive line parts, you know, you got to have the right parts to make a formidable defensive line. And I know DeMonte Casey is a big fan of the Falcons pass rush. I think DeMonte Casey would also be a big fan of rockauto.com because they're providing all the great parts for your car or truck. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. You can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is unique and easy to navigate. And you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose by brand specification and the price that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the, how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So meet the wise three eyes 
at New Money Meach on Twitter asks, will any NFL teams boycott a game perfect timing since there's an extra game? Meach, I'm assuming that when you're talking about the extra game, you're talking about the 17th game, which doesn't kick in unless I'm mistaken until 2021. So next year we, we got an extra playoff team this year, but the extra game doesn't kick in until next year, or at least could kick in next year, which it probably will because of all the lost revenue that they'll have this upcoming season. But, you know, I won't sit here and say, never say never because 2020 is a very volatile year. And there's a very high probability two months from now that we'll be like, boy, that escalated quickly. Um, so I won't say never, I will never say never say never, but I certainly think the chances of an NFL team boycotting games, uh, in comparison to the NBA is, is very much lower because the NBA is player driven. The NFL is not, the NFL tends to be owner and coach driven, you know, people are going to get mad at me for stereotyping here, but like when you have a bunch of white males in their fifties and sixties and seventies, are, are they, they're not necessarily the, the demographic that's known for their wokeness. And, and we know that this is, you know, that's not me disparaging anybody or anything like that, but we know that this has been an issue with the NFL in revolving Colin Kaepernick. So, um, you know, they've talked about, we've made mistakes. So I would say certainly in 2020, there is a higher chance that the NFL will sort of take the bull by the horns than there has been at any other point in NFL history. But, you know, it's interesting when you look at the two leagues, cause the NBA players were like, we want to play, but we also want to use this platform to address specifically these issues. And some players didn't play some prominent players opted against playing because they wanted, they feel like they could do more good on these specific issues with police brutality and all the things that Kaepernick was protesting as well as so many other people around the nation uh, this year, especially without playing by not playing and, and being a distraction and the NFL, their general sentiment is like, we want to play. Oh yeah. And that, and that other things to think too. Yeah. We're, we're, we're on board with that, but you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be overly cynical. So, um, you know, I think when it comes to these things, that you know, there's a lot of factors why the NBA is player driven. I think the sport of basketball inherently makes it easier for players to be out in front as opposed to football, just because football is harder for individual players to sort of stand out from the bunch. And we know in the NFL, it stands for not for long, and it's harder for players to have that sort of onus because, for the most part, you know, teams, coaches, GMs, owners look at players as sort of expendable replaceable assets uh, with, with obvious exceptions, but for the general speaking, you know, and even for those exceptions, the Julio Joneses and the Matt Ryans of the world, you're only not expendable for a finite amount of time. You know, like LeBron James is never going to, or I won't say never going to be expendable, but it's going to be decades before over a decade before LeBron James is not expendable. And the NFL is not that way. It's like, you know, even, even someone like Patrick Mahomes, like if, if his play takes a downturn in the next couple of years, all of a sudden, you know, the chiefs are going to start, you know, looking around me like, uh, why are we paying all this money to a guy that's not getting the job done? You know? So, you know, I, I've not, again, not to be too cynical, but I think Casey and, and Dan Quinn's response kind of says it all. You look at the situation with Don Terry Poe in, in Dallas with Jerry Jones, and I don't know how that situation is going to get resolved, but I know, you know, Poe's said from the jump when he signed with the Cowboys that he plans on kneeling um, I know though, I think it was before the Jacob Blake shooting that a reporter asked him, you know, have you, do you still plan to do that? And have you talked to Jerry Jones? And at least the way I read that, 
was the implication was that he kind of needs Jerry Jones permission. Poe's response was like, Oh yes, I do plan on kneeling. No, I haven't talked to Jerry Jones. I'm still going to do me regardless of what he says. That was sort of the implication of that. But you know, that to me illustrates the difference between the NFL and the NBA that, you know, essentially the expectation, at least for the Dallas media, I guess, is that you have to ask Jerry Jones permission if you want to do something in the NFL, where I don't think that's really the case in the NBA. So uh, let's move on to uh, Mantis Toboggan MD at Sebastian Dad 19's question. He asked, with our D-line rotation, who do you think will be the odd man out that actually deserves a look? So I'm not going to, you know, I'm I'm going to give a cop-out answer because I, I can't necessarily give you a definitive answer to this question, Matthew, um, because we don't have a preseason. You know, usually I would base that off of what guys have done this upcoming week. We would be playing the dress rehearsal preseason game on Friday against the Bengals if this was a normal NFL summer and we don't have any of that stuff. So, um, you know, most of my opinions about the guys in our D-line rotation are based off of what they did in 2018 and or 2019. So looking at the D-line rotation, I think there are eight guys that are locks. You got Grady Jarrett, Marlon Davidson, Tyler Davidson, Alan Bailey, John Kaminsky, Tack McKinley, Dante Fowler, and Charles Harris. And then I, th- I expect the Falcons to keep at least nine defensive line, likely 10. Um, depends on injuries and whatnot. But like, I think it's likely that they'll keep 10 in those last two spots should go to Steven Means and Deidre Sinat. But at the same time, that doesn't mean I, I, I'm going to write off Jacob Tuoti Mariner, Austin Edwards, et cetera, from their ability to stick. So when I look at that, it seems like basically I have to choose between Jacob Tuoti Mariner and Austin Edwards as being the odd man out that deserves a look. I think both of those guys deserve a look. I think both of those guys are have the ability to be role players. Jacob Tuoti Mariner stepped in nicely for John Kaminsky last year and was a functional eighth man in the Falcons rotation. I think Austin Edwards unlike some of the other guys on the back end of the Falcons rotation, like a Jacob to Mariner, I think also Edwards has a little bit more upside as a pass rusher. And ultimately that's kind of where your, you know, bread is buttered, so to speak. Uh, when you're on the defensive line, your ability to stick in the NFL and particularly with one team is incredibly enhanced because you have pass rush ability as opposed to run defenders that don't have pass rush upside tend to get sort of pigeonholed as journeymen and tend to, you know, bounce around the league. So I, I guess Austin Edwards is the guy that ha- probably has the most potential not to sit here and say Jacob Tua to Mariner doesn't. Cause again, I, th- I think he did some good stuff for the team last year and, and certainly certainly showed a lot of growth from 2018 to 2019, in my opinion, and then could show similar growth in 2019 to 2020, which would indicate that, you know, there's, there's something there to be mined. But for the most part, no, I, you know, without the preseason, it's really hard for me to, to, to really say anybody's going to get left behind with this D-line rotation. So I hope that answers your question, Matthew. And we will continue today's Locked on Falcons Twitter, ter- Twitter Thursday, Twitter Thursday, Twitter Thursday, and talk about the scenario in which Matt Hennessy could remain as a left guard in 2021 and beyond, and the Falcons looking for a new center. In a, in a, you know, and talking about the future of the Falcons offensive line is, is pretty easy to talk about, but something that's hard to talk about is erectile dysfunction. It's easy to sort of brush it off as saying I lost my mojo or just simply avoiding that quality time with your special person because you've had a busy day at work or you're just not feeling it. But now with Roman, it is easy to talk about 
with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet with Roman because you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship to you with free two day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet to get started. It's simple. Just go to getroman.com slash locked on NFL and complete your online visit today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash locked on NFL. GetRoman.com slash locked on NFL. So Justin Sandu at Justin 201224 asks if Matt Hennessy does win the left guard position, do you think he will get moved to center in 2021 or will the Falcons keep him at left guard and then look for a center next offseason, assuming Mac isn't re-signed? Well, as you may or may not know, Justin, you know, I, I think Justin, you, you probably consistently listen to the majority of episodes. You probably know that I am not the world's biggest fan in terms of Matt Hennessy's projection to guard. So I'm, I'm slightly biased on this issue, but I think the scenario that I can envision where he does stick at guard is, you know, the first is a two-parter. The first part is that he's going to have to play well this year as a guard um, to the point that I think the Falcons will have to take the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach to their offensive line next year. And sort of we've talked about sort of Hennessy being on on that sort of Chris Chester level as a as a guard prospect. But let's say on one end, you know, being the a Chris Chester type of guard is acceptable for a starter, but not great for a starter. And then on the other end of the spectrum is being an Andy Levitri, which is a legitimately good starter, as we saw with Levitri in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen when he was healthy. Um Basically, Hennessy, I think, has to be closer to that Levitri level player this upcoming season. Then you also need to have sort of continuity elsewhere on your offensive line. And those guys will also be durable because I think if you're shuffling pieces in and out of your offensive line this upcoming season, then I don't think the team is going to feel as compelled to try to maintain that continuity going into 2021. So that's your first thing that needs to happen. The second thing that needs to happen, in addition to that first thing, is I think the Falcons have to be in a position where they can get a better center, a significantly better center than what Matt Hennessy is. Now, remember, some people thought Matt Hennessy was the best center prospect in this draft class, and some people saw Matt Hennessy as a potential second-round draft pick. So you're probably talking about a guy that's a first-round prospect in next year's draft class. You know, I'm not as well-versed. Uh, on the 2021 draft class, you probably should check out the locked on NFL draft podcast or the draft dudes podcast to get those guys thoughts on the upcoming center prospects. But I know the draft network where those guys, uh, contribute in addition to their daily podcast right here on the lockdown podcast network, your team every day, you know, they have Creed Humphrey, the center from Oklahoma as their top interior offensive lineman on their big board. And a lot of sites, including the draft network seemingly are projecting him to be a future first round pick and have I've seen those projections for Creed Humphrey since last summer. Um, that's how highly people think about him. So let's assume that that goes true and he's the consensus top center. He's considered to be a top 25 caliber pick. The Falcons, of course, have a pick in that range and they look at the value and they say, this is a, this is one of the better center prospects we've seen in the last you know several years. We can't pass up on the talent like this. And we know that Matt Hennessy was pretty solid for us at left guard. And so we don't necessarily have to move um, him to center in order to make this work because we're even getting 
a potential upgrade there. We're getting an Alex Mack type, which if you guys haven't heard me talk about this in the past, Alex Mack to me was a generational sort of center prospect comparable to what say a Julio Jones or an AJ green, that type of, you know, receiver or an Andrew luck or, you know, whoever, you know, some people think Trevor Lawrence is going to be that guy at the quarterback position, that type of player for the center position, in my humble opinion. And, you know, I don't, I haven't seen enough of Creed Humphrey to say that based off of what little I've seen of him. I didn't see that type of player when I've watched Oklahoma games and, and focused on him, but you know, maybe other people, maybe, you know, I could certainly be changing that tune, you know, six months from now or whatever the case may be. So I think that's one scenario that where you could see that sort of play out where the Falcons get an upgrade at the center position over Hennessy. Uh, the other option is, is of course, in free agency. I'm not going to necessarily, necessarily hold my breath that the Falcons going to spend the type of money that they need to in order to get that guy. We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, $11, $12 million uh, a year in terms of what a high-end center is going to cost. You're looking at next year's free agent class. You're looking at guys like Ryan Kelly of the Colts, who's probably going to be the top guy, at least looking ahead to that crop of guys. Um I think the draft would be a much more likelier scenario, but I think it's, it's certainly possible that Hennessy could stick long-term as a left guard, but I think it requires some steps. Again, I think, you know, in part due to my bias, but also just because I don't necessarily see both of those scenarios playing out for the Falcons. I think even, you know, assuming the Falcons probably will have a top 25 pick, you know, I think they're going to have bigger holes on their roster and they're going to just plug Hennessy at center and, and go plug and play at the left guard position. I, in an ideal world, that will be Matt Gano, but, you know, it doesn't seem like we're getting closer to that reality. So, uh, Brandon Rogers at Brand Raj asks, your favorite Keanu Reeves, I was going to say Keanu Neal, there's the only one Keanu in my heart, uh, your favorite Keanu Reeves movie, and also do you think the Falcons could experience a period of divisional dominance with diminished quarterback play from the Bucks and Saints after Breeze and Brady retire? So when we're talking about Keanu Reeves movies, we're talking, you know, at least in, from my eyes, the sort of the, the top candidates for what are his best are the Bill and Ted movies, Point Break, Speed, Devil's Advocate, the Matrix movies, the replacements, Harbaugh, Constantine and John Wick movies. So I think there's several classics, uh, action classics, especially some comedy classics on that list. Some underrated gems like Constantine and Hardball and the replacements, um, but for me, it's got to be The Matrix. I think the first Matrix is a perfect movie. You know, I think in the second Matrix movie, Matrix Reloaded, I think the highway chase scene is probably one of the greatest action sequences ever made and committed to film. And, and Keanu's barely in that scene. But uh, just want to put that out. Speed, I think, might have been like the first R-rated movie I was allowed to go see in a theater, um, you know, when I was like 11 or something like that. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of, a lot of fun movies from Keanu's um you know, filmography or whatnot. So as for your second question about dominating the NFC South after Breeze and Brady retire, it's, I think it's possible. I think, you know, a lot of that depends on how much longer Matt Ryan plays for the Falcons. You know, my expectation is this is probably going to be Breeze's final year. I think that's a fairly good bet. I think the Bucks seem poised to sort of set up Brady for two years and then, you know, move on from him there. But I don't know if Matt Ryan's guaranteed to play that much longer here in Atlanta beyond, you know, two or three years. You know, on a previous episode, we've talked about how Matt Ryan's contract only really guarantees him through the 2022 season. Um, And whether he plays beyond that is kind of dependent on not only his performance over the next, you know, this year and the two years after that, as well as the team's performance over that time. 
And while I'm not necessarily that concerned about Matt Ryan's performance in that time for I think we talked about this on Tuesday's episode. There is one concern that Matt Ryan might become more allergic to pressure as he gets older as a side effect of all the hits that he's taken over the years. And it's kind of natural that that happens. It's one of the reasons why, you know, offensive line play, I think is very important for young quarterbacks. I think it's very important for old quarterbacks because the old quarterbacks, you know, you look at Matt Schaub and how he plays like Matt Schaub is like, I ain't getting hit. I'm, I'm 39 years old. I'm not taking these hits, dude. You know, that's a young man's thing. I'm too old for this. You know, he's, he's uh Murtaugh, right? Getting too old for this ish. You know, I'm not as concerned about Matt Ryan's performance though, because of how consistent he's been throughout his career. So even if there is a slight drop off from that, I don't think it's going to be a significant thing. I am a lot more concerned about the team success. And what I've explained in the past is basically if the Falcons continue to miss the playoffs the next couple of years, it doesn't matter what Matt Ryan does. Cause you know, he's not going to last that much longer. This is just the way the NFL it goes back to what I was talking about. It's a not for long league. If you're not getting results and if you're a quarterback playing on a team, that's a perennial non-playoff contender ask Phillip rivers, you're not going to stick around as Eli Manning. You're not going to stick around. It's just the way the league works. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. So fan since 1988 on Twitter as best album debut of 1996. And why I'm not sure if you're asking like who had the best debut album, i.e., you know, whose first album came out in 1996 and it was the best or is just my favorite album that came out that year. And so, you know, I have no clue whose debut album came out then. You know, I, I tried to Google it and it, it didn't come up with a easy to look up list or anything like that. So, but then when I did Google albums that came out in 1996, the ones that immediately popped out to me was the the score by the Fugees. That was the one I recall listening to the most. I just remember listening to killing me softly and, you know, ready or not on repeat all the time when I was 13, I think then, you know, and, and so the reason why is like, it's the Fugees. It's Wyclef, it's Lauren Hill's prize, you know. It's pretty self-explanatory, but looking at that list of other albums that came out in 96, I do remember it was written was like, I think the first Nas album I got into, um, Tupac's all eyes on me came out that year. And I wasn't as big a fan of that album at the time because we were still in the midst of that whole East coast, West coast beef and growing up in Virginia and being like, we're East coast and I rep the East coast. So that's why I started getting into Nas. I didn't start getting into outcast. I know, um, I think it was AT aliens came out that year for outcast. Um, but it was really a that was my first sort of outcast album. Like who are these guys, uh, which came out in, I think 98 according to Wikipedia. So, um, yeah, those were, I hope that answers your question. All right, guys, there you guys have it. Another Twitter, Twitter Thursday in the book, Twitter Thursday. I can't say the th in Twitter Thursday in the books. Appreciate everybody sending those questions. If you want to send in your questions for a future Twitter Thursday, you can do so by sending them to Locked On Falcons, uh, the show's Twitter handle. You can also send in your questions to Locked On Falcons on Facebook, or you send an email to Locked On Falcons at mail.com as a, another avenue for any questions or any feedback that you want to provide to me on. We'll sort of see what happens uh, with the Falcons this week. We got one more show remaining this week. Maybe we can do something. Something's brewing in my head where we can do something to simulate the uh, dress rehearsal game. I don't know. Maybe we can revisit the roster predictions or whatever the case may be. 
Maybe that's something we could do. I don't know. So we'll figure out something for tomorrow's episode. So far, no no, no luck on getting guests, but uh, I will continue to, to work on it to get some guests to come on and share their insights into all the things going on with the Falcons um, coming up. If I don't get one tomorrow, then I'll get some next week. I, I promise you guys I will do that. So there you guys have it. Appreciate you for tuning in. You know, I, I feel like I should say more about the whole Jacob Blake thing and the, the boycott, but I'm not going to get up on a soapbox. You know, I'll just let see what let's let's just see what happens. Uh, obviously, we'll just it's going to be an ongoing story. So we'll we'll see what what develops with that on the NBA side, on the MLB side, on the NFL side, etc. Um, so we'll just have to sort of see. But uh, I'll leave it at that, guys. Until then. you are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.